open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We will get to chapter 12, but first we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, right now in this room, there is an unseen energy that is enabling us to do what we're doing right now. This energy is illuminating the room. This energy is amplifying my voice. Is it a good sound right now? Is that okay? This energy runs my computer. This energy enables me to be able to put my computer screen on the TV up there. The TVs are energized by this power. This energy runs our air con and our heating. What is this energy? It's It's expensive. (laughs) Thank you, Norm. It's expensive in California. It's expensive. It's electricity. It's electricity. It's an energy that powers our devices. It's an energy that helps us to be productive. And we depend on it. Sometimes we forget about it until it goes out. And then we realize how much we actually need it, right? Well, for Christians, there's another energy in the church and in our own souls. There's an energy that's a spiritual energy. It's a power that comes from a person. That's the person, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. This power of the Holy Spirit created all material and immaterial things. God the Father appointed Jesus the Son to create the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, everything is sustained and is held together because the Father sovereignly rules via the Lord Jesus Christ And he energizes everything to hold together by the power of the Spirit. When you were saved, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, when you were saved, God the Father sovereignly appointed that event. The Son purchased your redemption. And the Holy Spirit caused you to be born again, caused your soul to come alive. We call that regeneration. And at that moment of regeneration in your soul, the Holy Spirit applied the work of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to your life. The Bible sometimes calls that the baptism of the Spirit. That is, spiritually, our souls, our person was immersed into the work of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit gave us every spiritual blessing that he had deemed that we should have in Christ. Our spiritual life is now energized, and must be, I should say, energized by the Holy Spirit. Our spiritual lives are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit forever indwells us, but now as the Spirit indwells us, we must walk in the Spirit, we must be controlled by the Spirit. Everything we do, everything we think, everything we say must be energized by the Holy Spirit. It's so important for our obedience. It's so essential for our victory over sin. So important for our praise, for our words, for our holiness. And also, it's essential 
for ministry to take place in the local church. Our text today is 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to get there in a moment. But in that text, we're going to learn that we must depend upon the Holy Spirit as we minister within a local church like this. As we gather together on Sundays and throughout the week, we must be energized by the Holy Spirit to unify together, to love one another, to serve one another. We are doing a study through 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11 through 14 deals with worship matters in the local church. So we looked at chapter 11. We looked at the worship matters in the local church about the order of authority. We learned that the order of authority matters in the local church. And then we learned at the end of 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord's table matters in the local church. Now in 1 Corinthians 12, we see that the Spirit's gifts of grace matter in the local church. The spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives us matters in the local church. So the topic of spiritual gifts is found in 1 Corinthians 12. But actually, it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So look with me in 1 Corinthians 1. Look in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 1, 4. I give thanks, this is Paul writing, to my God always for you. This is the church of Corinth, this local church. If you're not convinced by that, look at verse 2. He's speaking to a local group of believers. Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Notice that word grace. That's going to be a very important word this morning. Grace speaks of God's work in our lives, in our soul. It's the Greek word charis. It's the idea of favor. Grace is the idea that God is at work in my life, and it's a work I cannot earn. It's a work I do not deserve. It's God's loving work. It's entirely of God. It's a gift from him. It's the concept of God looking down on you and then doing something for you that you could not do for yourself. It's it's the idea of of a woman walking maybe down the road and she sees a a baby that's abandoned and she picks that baby up and she cares for that baby. She feeds that baby. She clothes that baby. She shows grace. It's a picture of Christ walking into Jericho and there's blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. He couldn't see. He couldn't work. He couldn't do anything for himself but sit by the side of the road and beg. And Jesus came by and what does he do? He offers grace. He gives him sight. He can see. That's grace. He didn't earn it. He didn't work for it. God gave it freely to him. And so grace is God's loving work you don't deserve. And notice in verse 4 that it's God's grace. In other words, God owns the grace. It's his grace. God the Father owns that grace. And he gives that to you, verse 4, in Christ Jesus. And so the scripture teaches that grace comes from the Father through Jesus Christ. In fact, look at this verse up here, Romans 5.15. How much more did God's grace, so there's God's favor, and the gift that came, that's the gift of eternal life, 
by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. So we receive God's favor, God's grace that saves us, that gives us eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ. It's because he died on the cross for our sins. He purchased our redemption. He purchased that grace so we could access it for us or he could, he could give it to us. The Bible says that for by grace, it's God's grace through Christ, we are saved and we access that through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And so I think I should pause right here and just say, if you are in here and you're without Jesus Christ, you need that grace. That grace forgives. That grace adopts you into his family. That grace is necessary, but it comes from God through Jesus Christ as you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And then God applies that to your heart, to your soul, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So look down in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4. You can see that it's God's grace in Christ. And look at verse 5. It says in that, that in every way... You were enriched. So this idea that God's grace enriched your soul. God saved you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Grace was given to you, and now you're rich. It's like, it's like you think about it like a bank account. And you look at the ledger of God's bank account, and it's, it's infinite. And the zeros never stop. It's grace that never ends. It's God's infinite grace. And he gives that to you, has given access to that to you because of Christ. And now you're rich. You are, you are rich in grace. And so in verse 5, you can see that you're enriched in him. That's Christ in all speech. That's logos. That's the word of God. And all knowledge. That's gnosis. That's the knowledge of God. In fact, look at verse 7. Here's how rich you are so that you are not lacking in any gift. Now look at that word gift there in verse 7. Behind the word, English word gift is the Greek word charisma. There's a reason why I'm bringing this up. Charisma is a gift of grace. What did we say the, the word in Greek was for grace? It was charis. And you can see how you can hear that word charis in charisma. Charis is grace. Charisma is a gift of grace. And so what is this charisma in verse number seven here? What is this gift of grace? Well, it's spiritual grace. It's spiritual gifts so we can serve the church. This, this word gift here is the grace that the Holy Spirit gives to those in the body of Christ so they can serve one another. Charisma speaks of ministry grace, grace that equips you with spiritual gifts so you can serve one another. So now go to 1 Corinthians chapter. Because in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul brings up, hey, listen, church, you have God's grace. You have been saved. And the Holy Spirit has gifted you to serve. And then he waits until chapter 12, and he teaches then about these spiritual gifts. So that's what we're going to learn about this week and the next number of weeks. We're going to study the spiritual gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. As we read through 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to go through verses 1 through 11. And I want you to notice that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the main focus here and his gift of grace that he gives to us. When I say us, I'm speaking about the church. 
but also I want to say specifically to you. What we're going to see, particularly in verse 7, is the Holy Spirit is going to take his spiritual finger and he's going to point right at you. Now, do you like it when people point at you? I don't, I don't point out anybody in here. But here in this text, the Holy Spirit will point at you and say, he has spiritual grace. He has a spiritual gift for you. The big idea of 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 is this, that God, the Spirit, has gifted you with ministry grace. It's another way of saying a spiritual gift with ministry grace. So you will serve your local church in unity, love, and edification. That's what this text is about. God the Spirit has gifted you with ministry grace so you will unify with your church in love and edification. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 1. I'm going to read this out loud. I would like us to stand as I read it. Would you stand with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Would you follow along as I read verse 1? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What I want us to notice this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that the Holy Spirit has gifted us, each of us individually, so that we can serve one another. And we call these spiritual gifts. Look at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now your Bible might have the word gifts italicized. And if it does, that's to help you understand that that word is not actually in the original language. It's inserted in there to help you understand the context. So where do they get that word gifts from? Well, if you look down in verse number 4, you can see the word gifts in verse 4. And what you see here is in verse 1, the 
the adjective spiritual modifies the noun gifts. Okay, this is why grammar is important, because it matters to God. I was talking to a student this past week about that, and I was saying, grammar matters to God, and that's it right there, okay? And so they put gifts up there in verse 1 to help you to understand the context. These chapters are talking about spiritual gifts. So the question now comes, well, what's a spiritual gift? There's a lot of books written on this out there. There's a lot of articles and journal articles and probably sermons as well. And so I'm just going to simplify it by telling you what I understand from the scripture, what a spiritual gift is. And this is what a spiritual gift is. If you want to write this down, this would be a good thing to write down this morning. We have a uh, notes, a page in your bulletin. You can take that out. You can write this down. This is going to be very important. Because I'm not really going to go verse by verse this morning. I'm going to wait to do that until next week. But this morning, what I really want us to, to do is to understand what the Bible means when it speaks of a spiritual gift. Here's what a spiritual gift is. What is a spiritual gift? It is the Spirit's gift of grace to enable you to serve your local church in unity, love, and edification. All of those words are very important. Like I didn't just randomly pick those out, okay? These are, this is what the Scripture teaches. It's the Spirit's gift of grace to enable you to serve your local church in unity, love, and edification. So it's grace for a special purpose. It's grace to help you serve, to enable you to serve in ministry. It's grace that fulfills a certain particular function. You have a, a unique role within the body of Christ, within the, within the local church. It's grace that unifies in love. It's grace that edifies other people. So it's a spiritual gift of grace to enable you to serve the local church. And notice it's from the Spirit. Look at verse 1. He, he says these are spiritual gifts. That is, that is, they are from the Spirit. They're sourced in the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So charisma there, gifts of grace, come from the same Spirit. Verse 7. The gifts are the manifestation of the what? Of the Spirit. So it's the Spirit who empowers you, and He enables you to visibly demonstrate God working in the church by spiritual gifts. Verse 8, for to one, speaking of a gift of charisma, is given, the, is given through the Spirit. Notice verse 8 later on, according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith, by the same Spirit. The end of that verse, by the one Spirit. Look at verse 11. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions, who distributes to each one, there's the Holy Spirit pointing at you, each one individually as he wills, as he desires. So the Holy Spirit is the one who assigns you grace and a role to be able to carry out that ministry to the local church. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you to be able to serve your local church. In Acts 13, 2, we see that Barnabas and Paul are picked by the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually says the Holy Spirit speaks and says, I pick Paul, I pick Saul, I pick Barnabas to do the work that I've called them to do. And we look at that and we go, oh, that's really special. 
But do you realize, church, that God has done the same for you? He's picked you, and he says, I have a role for you in the local church. Now, when I was growing up, we would pick, play pickup games for soccer. We, had, we grew up in Indiana. I grew up in Indiana. So there was nice green fields, and uh, we would go out and play soccer. And, uh, you know, you had two captains, so you could pick the teams. You had two captains. And so, you know, it's a really enjoyable thing to be picked by someone, right? And sometimes I get picked because usually I was one of the fastest ones out there. Not necessarily the most skilled, but one of the fastest. And so they picked me for a particular skill that I had. So here what you have is the Holy Spirit, it picks us. What's interesting is he doesn't pick us because of something we've done. It's because of something that he wants us to do, something he wants to gift us with. So notice the Spirit gifts us with grace that enables you. It's singular. Look at verse 7. To each. That's each person in the church. Notice it's given. It's a divine passive. It's something that God, the Spirit, gives to you. Verse 8. To one is given. Again, a divine passive. It's, it's given to you. And why? Why would the Holy Spirit give you this ministry grace it's so you can serve the church. Look at verse 7. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? What does it say? For the common good. The phrase the common good is the Greek word simphero. Sim means together. Pharaoh means to hold up. So to hold up together. That word pharaoh is found in not the Pharaoh of the Old Testament, right? This is the Greek word Pharaoh. Mark chapter 2, verse 3, of the four men that took the paralyzed man and they held him up and they carried him to Jesus. Remember, they actually climbed on the roof and took off the tiles and lowered him down and he was healed. Why? Because these men lifted this man up. They carried him together. And what a, what a wonderful view of the church. What a wonderful picture of the church. We come together and we, we hold each other up. So that's what God, that's why God has given us these spiritual gifts. We are to come together to, to build one another up, to hold, spiritually hold each other up. And how are we to do that? How is it possible for you to bear someone else's burdens, for you to love someone? Maybe that's not the loveliest person in the world. Well, God has given us spiritual gifts to be able to do that. When we as a local church are all depending on the Holy Spirit and his grace and we're serving the church, we will be unified. We will love one another. We will build one another up. Think about a, think about a symphony. The etymology of the word symphony is sim, which means what? Together. And then you have phone, phony, which is a sound, voice. Literally, it's, it's, it sounds together. So when you go to a symphony and you hear the, the violins playing, and the, which is the, the beautiful instruments, right? And you have the trombones, maybe, right? And you have the trumpets, and you have the oboes, and you have the French horn. That's pretty amazing. And when they play by themselves, you know, especially before the symphony starts, you might be like, ooh, it doesn't sound really good. But then when they come together in harmony and unison, it's beautiful, right? And when the church comes together and we use our gifts in the way that God wants us to use the gifts, it's like heaven has come down to earth. And there's a beautiful, there's beautiful music of grace that comes out. 
for the purpose of the spiritual gifts is so that we will come together and we will hold each other up spiritually. We will, we will build each other up. Spiritual gifts are not for your own self-exaltation. Spiritual gifts are not for your own gratification. Spiritual gifts are not to be used to promote you or to gratify your desires. If you have the gift of teaching, it's not to show how much you know or how eloquent you are. If you have the gift of hospitality, it's not to parade your Jonah Gaines house, right, and show off all your decorations. If you are serving and you have that gift and you're serving the needy, it's not so everyone will clap for you and, and tell you how, to, amazing, how you're an amazing person. Spiritual gifts are only to be used for the glory of God and for the good of the church. In fact, you can see this in really predominantly in 1 Corinthians 14. Go to 1 Corinthians 14 and notice this. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, he's going to address how the church has abused some of the spiritual gifts. And over and over in this text, he says, use your spiritual gifts only for edification of the church. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. That the church may receive edification. See that in there? Verse 12. So also, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound. Why? Why should you seek to abound in spiritual gifts? For the edification of the church. Verse 26. Chapter 14, verse 26. What is the outcome then, brothers, when you assemble? And so notice this is a local church, right? This is for the local church. When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has a translation. Notice this. Let all things be done for edification. In other words, spiritual gifts are never to be done for me, but for the building up of the body of Christ, to unify in love and edification. I mean, that's why you have 1 Corinthians 13 smack right between chapter 12 and chapter 14. I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? It's not just for weddings or for Hallmark gift cards. It's for the church. Do you realize that? I mean, when the church is to be patient with each other. We are to love one another. Love is kind. It's not resentful. It bears all things. Love forgives. Love believes the best. Love doesn't jump to conclusions. Love seeks the truth. Love endures. That's 1 Corinthians 13. And, the, and, and this is the motive for why we use our spiritual gifts. We use our spiritual gifts because we love one another. And we can't love one another in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit's grace in our life. So spiritual gifts are a very important topic for the church to understand. And that's why you don't just see spiritual gifts taught on in 1 Corinthians. In fact, there's five places in the New Testament where we see the teaching on spiritual gifts. So what I want to do this morning, instead of going verse by verse, we'll do that next week. I'm going to just do an overview of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. So would you turn with me to Romans chapter 12? Go to Romans chapter 12. What I want to do is I want to see, see how this truth in Romans chapter 12, or I should say first, 1 Corinthians 12, parallels with other texts like Romans chapter 12. And again, think about this definition up here. What is a spiritual gift? It's the Spirit's gift of grace 
to enable you to serve your local church in unity, love, and edification. So notice all those words. You're going to see those truths found in this text as well. Look at Romans 12, verse 4. Ken read this for us this morning, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but point out some of the important parts. Verse 4, for as in one body, that's the church, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, like there's different gifts, there's different roles. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And notice verse 6, having gifts, charisma, right? Grace, gifts for ministry that differ according to the grace. There you go. The grace given to us. To us. So each of us has, has spiritual gifts. We have ministry grace given to us from the storehouse of God's manifold grace, his storehouse of grace. He has graced each one of us so we will serve the church. And so notice in verse number seven, and we're not going to read all these, but just notice some of these gifts that he gives to the church. This is the grace the Holy Spirit gives us, verse seven, if service in our serving. So God the Holy Spirit has gifted some of you in this room with a unique ability to serve. And some of you have different skills and different talents that, that contribute to the benefit of the church. I mean, some of you fix up the grounds during the week, and some people, they, they do the AV back there, and they have a knack for that. And there's different ways that people serve within the church. All of us should be serving. So this isn't saying that, hey, there's some people who serve and the rest of us don't. This is saying that there are some who have a unique ability to serve the church in unique ways. How about the next one? The one who teaches in teaching. So God, the Holy Spirit, has gifted certain individuals to teach. Do we have those type of people in our church? Do we have individuals that God has gifted to teach? Well, if you come to some of the classes, whether it be the children's classes, teen, or the adult classes, you'll see that God has gifted those individuals. And if God has gifted you with the ability to teach, you should use that gift to bless the church. You should not neglect it. To sit on your hands and not use that gift is to, to not use the grace that God has made available to you. And I'd say, I even would flip it on the other hand. If God has given a gift of a person to our church to teach, should we allow ourselves to be blessed by that person? I think so. And I, I guess I'll just throw this out there to all of you. Okay, Some of you maybe don't come on the Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Maybe think about that. Maybe think about God has blessed our church with certain individuals that can teach. So what is our responsibility? If I don't have that gift, what's my responsibility? Well, maybe I should encourage that gift, sit under that gift, be blessed by that gift. In fact, I think that one of the, one of the movements in our country, uh, in, uh, in our, sorry, in churches, is this quiverful ministry, this home church ministry. It's kind of this idea that children should never be in children's classes. We shouldn't have children's ministry at all. And I think, that, I think this kind of idea right here actually counters that. Because if someone's gifted to teach children, how do they have an opportunity to do that? It's not just in the home. It has to happen somehow in the local church. And so I would encourage you even as parents, if you have children in here, to bring your kids to the, the children's programs we have because that's a way for some people to use their gifts to be able to minister to your family. And look at verse 8. 
Verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. So God has given some people the gift to be able to have a special way to exhort individuals, to encourage people. The one who contributes in generosity. Again, all of us should be giving. If you love God, you will give, right? That's the Bible teaches that. But there are some who have a, a special ability to be a generous giver. And it's a gift from God. One of the comments that I receive many times from visitors that come to our church is about giving. Because we don't really talk about it very much. And some people find that as very peculiar, right? Because probably, I'm guessing most churches, that's probably something that's talked about a lot. In fact, actually, if you read the church growth books, they will tell you that you got to beat that drum every week. You know, beat the drum, give, 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 and give campaigns. And we just don't really do that. But why is that? It's because we believe that, again, those who love God will give. But also, God has given grace to different people in the church. And there's a sense where all of us are involved in this. But there's some people that generously are giving and laying up treasures in heaven. And in a church like ours, honestly, in the economy we have, it doesn't make sense. When you look at the budget from last year, and you look at December, and you look at that, if you were in that church meeting in January, it's like, how in the world did that come in in a church like ours? You know what? The only thing I can attribute it to is God's grace. He has gifted individuals with this desire and this ability to give. And he goes on to say, one who leads with zeal, one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, so again, why does the Spirit give us those ministries of grace? And that's what the rest of this chapter is about. Look at verse 9. I'm not going to go through every one. Just let me buzz through them. Verse 9. So our love for one another will be genuine. So why does God give us these grace, this grace? So we can love one another. Verse, nine, verse 10. So that we will have this family love, this family affection, this brotherly love. Verse 13. God gives us this these spiritual gifts, so we will give to each other. So we'll, so we'll show hospitality. Verse 15, so we'll rejoice with those who rejoice. We'll weep with those who weep. Verse 16, so we'll live in harmony with one another. Verse 18, so we'll be at peace with one another. Verse 21, so we'll do good to one another. Do you realize we can't do all this in here by just waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, I'm just going to try to be really nice to the church this week. You can't do it unless you're depending upon the Holy Spirit. And say, God, I need your grace and help me to do this. And as a church comes together and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're depending upon the Holy Spirit, we come together in love and it glorifies God. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So the Spirit's gift of grace enables us to serve our local church with unity and love and edification. So Ephesians chapter 4 gives us some more of these Gifts, Ephesians 4, speaks of what God has called us to do and to be as a church. That is to be unified. That is to love one another. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 1. God has called us, and go to verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. So this is how we're to treat one another, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, so the church should be unified in love. There should be peace among us. There should be this unity, notice, of the Spirit. So how is that even possible in a church like ours? It's not on your own. It's only when the Holy Spirit 
is within you, and he's empowering you by the gifts he gives to you. So look at verse number seven. But grace, so notice how this, this word grace keeps coming up, right? Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. In verse 11, he lists those grace gifts. Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teachers. Those are pastors, pastor teachers. And, and so why did he give those? Verse 12, to equip the saints, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And some of those gifts, like the apostles and the prophets, those are gifts that have gone away. There are not apostles today, but we are still blessed by the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. And then the gifts that remain are the evangelists and the pastors. And why has God given the gift of his word and the gift of pastors and evangelists? It's so what? Verse number 12, that we will be equipped as a church. So we will be built up. Do you see how the spiritual gifts that God gives to us are so essential for us as a church? In fact, look at the last verse of that paragraph, verse 16, Ephesians 4, 16. The whole body, that's the church, joined, held together by every joint that's every believer having a part with which it is equipped. In other words, we need each other. When each part is working properly, we're using our gifts. Notice, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The Spirit of God gives grace to us to enable us to serve our local church so that we can come together in unity and love. Go to, first, go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4 makes these same points. This is Peter now, not Paul, but he teaches the exact same thing, which I think is a clear indication that this comes from the same source, which is, who is the same source? It's Jesus Christ. Right? These are the teachings of Christ through the apostles, and Peter teaches the same thing as Paul. And so what you see in verse 8 is you see that Peter reminds the church that we are to love one another. Remember at the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples, he says, guys, listen, we are to love one another. And so Peter says, where does it happen most predominantly? In the local church. Verse 8, above all, <clears throat> keep loving one another. That's those within the body of Christ earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So in other words, open up your home, open up your life, open up your soul to love other people in the church. This is one of the reasons that we are doing these home groups because we want to give you opportunities to do these one anotherings, to, to open your life up to other people. Sometimes it's difficult to do that on a Sunday morning like this. And so we're saying, listen, let's go to each other's homes. Let's open up our life. Let's do this. Well, how is it possible to do this, to, to love one another? How is it possible to open up your life and maybe to be a little vulnerable with people? It's not possible to do on your own. You have to have the gifts of the Spirit. And so that's why he says in verse 10, the next verse after verse 9, verse 10, 
as each. So here again, the Holy Spirit is pointing his finger right in your face as each has received a gift, charisma, ministry, grace. Use it to do what? To serve one another. That's the purpose right there. As God's, as I should say, as good stewards of God's varied grace, God's manifold grace, his plentiful grace. In other words, from God's storehouse of grace, the Holy Spirit has taken that and he has individually, he has specially, he has uniquely graced you. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine a family of four, father, mother, daughter, son, and they get a knock on their door one day and they open the door and there in front of them is Elon Musk. He has his phone he has a guy next to him there, and he gets his phone out, and he logs into his bank account. He shows this family. He says, hey, guys, everyone come here. And they gather in the living room there, and he says, listen, see this? This is all the money I own right here. And guess what? All this money is for you. You can use it. You have to use it to serve one another in your family. You have to use it to fulfill your role in the family. And I have my assistant here, and the assistant is going to allot to you, to each one of you, a certain amount from this. But, I mean, there's so much in here, you're never going to be able to spend it all. And so he turns to the dad, and he says, Dad, I'm going to give you $3 billion to provide for your home and lead your family. Is that enough? If you need more, I can give you more. So $3 billion to lead your home, to, to love your wife. He turns to the wife. Is that enough? She says, make it four. Okay, $4 billion. He turns to the mom and he says, okay, mom, I'm going to give you $5 because you do a lot more than he does in the home. You're going to manage the home to care for your husband and your kids. Turns to the daughter and he says, okay, I'm going to give you $2 billion to, to, to honor your parents, to love your brother. And he turns to the son and he says, I'm going to give you $2 billion to, to go buy Legos. No, 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 that's, that would be selfish. No, to serve your sister, to serve your parents, to honor them. And this, this manager here, he's, he's my steward here, he's going to make sure that you're stewarding this well. And that would be a gift of grace from him to that family. And I want you to think of that story and consider that God the Father has a bank account of infinite grace. And all the grace in that account was purchased by the blood of Christ and is available to you. And the Holy Spirit is the one who personally distributes that grace to each person in the church so that you will serve one another. And he says, here is grace to function in this role. Here is grace to serve the church. And you are a steward of that grace. You can take that grace and you can not use it. You can take that grace and you can misuse it. But in the end, when you get to glory and you stand before the Lord, you will account for how you use the gifts of the Spirit in your life and how you didn't use it. So the Scripture is calling us here to serve one another. And in verse 11, he gives two categories of ministry that we are to use these gifts in. Look at verse 11. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks, so, so you have speaking gifts. Now, if you speak in the local church, if you disciple someone, if you sing, if you pray, if you, if you minister with words in the local church, 
what words should you use? Well, he says it right here. Use the oracles of God. Speak as if God is speaking. And that means you're speaking the word of God. So if you, anyone speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves, so if you serve, whether it be speaking or not speaking, but if you're serving in some way, you're to do that in the ability and the strength that God gives. And why? Notice the end of this. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We made our mission statement, or we based our mission statement on these verses right here. And that is that Lighthouse Bible Church is to make disciples and serve one another by God's grace, with God's word, for God's glory. Do you realize this? Do you realize that we don't glorify God by just showing up every Sunday and going home? We don't glorify God by just listening to a sermon online. The church that glorifies God is a church where each member serves one another. Each member is depending upon the grace of God, and with that grace, they are ministering the word of God. They're ministering the ability which God gives. This is the church that brings glory to God. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll end in this text. 1 Corinthians 12. I said, there, I said there was five texts that deal with spiritual gifts. The last two are found in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. We read those already. And then verse 28. And again, we'll get to these verses. We'll explain more of what they mean in a few weeks. But out of the five lists of spiritual gifts, there are 19 total ministry functions listed. And you'll notice not all the spiritual gifts are in use today. I mentioned the apostles. That one has gone away. We'll see in 1 Corinthians 13 that there's the, there's the um, it's said that some of the gifts will go away. <clears throat> and so there are some gifts that have gone away, some gifts that remain. Also, you'll notice as you compare these lists that there's no list that's exhaustive. There's no list that's like the list of spiritual gifts. There's, they're actually different. On all the different lists, they're, they're different gifts that are given. Some overlap, but they're mostly different. And I think that means that we can conclude that not all the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible are all the spiritual gifts available. I think as a church, there are unique gifts for our time and for our unique church that, that can help us grow in, in the Lord. Notice verse 4. You can see this in verse 4. Notice verse 4. There's varieties of gifts. Notice verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. And those words, gifts, service, activities, are, are synonyms that describe ministry functions in the church, in the local church. So God the Spirit has graced our church with a variety of functions. There's different ways different people serve. Some have the gift of administration. Some have the gift of serving. Some, some love missions, and they just love to connect with missionaries and, and communicate that to the church. Some are encouragers, and the list goes on and on. So the point of this text here is that God's Spirit has given you ministry grace, spiritual 
gifts so that you will serve. And this is for children. This is for married. This is for single. This is for everybody that's in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for you as a church. I'm thankful as I think about how you serve. There's so many of you in here that throughout the week, on Sundays, I mean, you come with this heart to serve. I'm thankful for elders who who don't get paid, except for me, who don't get paid, but they labor hours and hours each week to serve the church. I'm thankful for deacons. We have one that's hopefully going to become a deacon the next week or two here. But we have deacons who faithfully serve our church. We're being kept secure because there's a deacon who leads the security ministry. We have deacons who oversee the grounds here. And and I could go on and on, but I'm thankful for deacons who genuinely serve. I'm thankful for our ladies in the church. They help take care of the needy. We We have Joe Perez was in the hospital this past week. And so we have ladies in our church who reach out to to the families like that, and we have baby showers like yesterday, and the ladies come together. They shower a lady in the church. We have a ladies' Bible study tonight, and there's Dana's teaching, and there's other ladies who are going to bring food, and they're going to come together. And, and the point is, is that I'm thankful for a church that serves. I'm thankful for a church that even, I shouldn't forget this one. Right now, we have ladies who are caring for the children. Praise God for that. That's a special ministry of grace right there. I'm thankful for a church that uses the gifts of the Spirit to unify and love and edification. Here's the question for all of us. How are you serving the church? How are you serving the church? How can you serve the church more? Are you serving for the glory of God? When you speak, are you speaking God's words? Are you serving in the ability which God gives? Now, as we went through these texts, did you, did you notice the formula for how to find your spiritual gift? Did you notice it in there? It's not in there. You know why? Because the Bible doesn't give one. And there are people that have tests and all these kind of things out there, and I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think it's wrong. I'm just not a big fan of it. Because I think what I see in the Scripture is this. The Bible says two things. God's Spirit has graced you to serve. Number two, so go serve. And you say, well, well what should I do? I've known people who have been paralyzed for, for years. It's like, well, I just don't know how I'm gifted. Well, just start volunteering. You'll figure it out pretty quickly. You know, what I found is when I was in my 20s, early 20s, I had a pastor that asked me directly, what's your spiritual gift? And I went, uh, I don't really know what my gifts are. And this guy started telling me what I was gifted in. And I realized, oh, you know what? Other people sometimes recognize it. And I was serving in these different areas. And honestly, I was in those areas of service because no one else was going to do it. So I stepped in and did it. And then I realized, I, I think I have a gift for that. I think God has given me a special ability within that. And so my point is, is that how are you serving? If you're not serving, get busy. Find something to do. Look around the church and say, okay, who are some people? Maybe I can get in their life and get to know them and I can serve them. I can disciple them. Maybe I can be discipled by them. There's no place in the church of Jesus Christ for Christians who say, I'm going to bow out. I'm going to separate We are saved to serve, but I'm tired. I'm tired. Life is so hard. Well, you know what? That's a good excuse if you're doing your own strength. That's why he's given us the Spirit's grace, his strength. Do it in the ability which God gives. You say, well, I can't even make it to church. You know, we have some people like that. 
We have two ladies in our church who are shut in. We have a couple in our church, Bill and Kathy Nuss, who they are not um, able to come because Bill's cancer is causing him to be weaker, and he's watching online. We pray for him. Do you know that he serves our church? you know that? When I called him, I called him yesterday. When I called him, he's the most encouraging person in this church. I can pretty much say he's better than everybody else, okay, as far as his encouragement. And he says to me, I pray for you every day. Friend, that is ministry in the local church. So everyone can have some part in the local church. Just think through how God has used people in the local church. I think sometimes people get so wrapped up with, what am I supposed to do? Well, just look at what God has given you. Look what you have, and then how can you use it? I mean, think about Barnabas. Barnabas had land. So in the book of Acts, what did he do? Well, I have land. I'll sell it. And he gave it for the growing church. He was an encourager. He's like, who's the guy around here who needs help? Oh, there's that Saul guy, Paul Saul, who is, people are like, uh, persecutor, get away from me. He's like, I'll, I'll help him. Oh, there's Mark. He's a down and outer. And Paul's like, ah, I give up on him. He's like, well, I'll take him. I mean, he, here's Barnabas. He's like, he's the guy that's like, I'll, I'll go help disciple the, the down and outer. Or you think about Luke. Here's the guy that's a doctor. He's a Gentile. I mean, what does a Gentile doctor have to do with the church of Jesus Christ? Well, he was very detail-oriented. And so here he writes Luke, and he writes Acts, and he's, he's talking about healings. And what, what better to have a doctor do that? He has a unique perspective or how about Paul, who walks into Corinth, it's all by himself, and there he meets believers, Priscilla and Aquila. Well, what do they have to offer? Well, they're tent makers, and they're there to help support the church. Or Apollos, who's from Alexandria, he's a Jew from Alexandria, probably very well read. He definitely was eloquent. I mean, he even surpassed Paul in his ability to speak, and God used him in a great way. You have Cyprus. I'm sorry, you have Crispus, who was a Jewish leader in the synagogue, came to faith in Christ and probably became an elder in the church of Corinth. I mean, the point is you can go on and on in the scripture and you can find these people who just were like, what do I have? Dorcas, not the greatest name in the world, but she definitely served the church. She, she made things for widows and for people who were needy. And then there's you. There's you. And friend, God has gifted you. God's Spirit has given you ministry grace. And so here's the question. Are you serving the Lord? Let's pray.